I started to look at my hands. Look at your hands. Are they soiled? Are they bleeding? Are they, do they have nail prints? Do they care for others the way that I cared for you? The closest thing I've come to is the long way Malawi, where we put our arms around these folks and made their lives a little bit better through a little water. And I, I, you know, the scripture says, you know, if you, if you will taste this water, you will thirst no more. That was a wonderful moment for me. You are listening to the Christian Music Archive podcast, part of the New Release Today podcast network. I'm your host, Dave Maurer. Each week, I share stories about Christ, community, and music, chatting with musical guests who you will find listed on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. There are thousands of creative men and women who have helped shape the soundtrack of the Christian faith, and we get to hear their stories, learn about how Christ has made a difference in their life, and hopefully along the way, we'll learn how we can be a better part of our community. Hey there, friend. Welcome to the podcast this week. My wife and I last night went to see the Jesus Music movie. Now, this is a movie I could hardly miss because it was an overview of the music that has become such an important part of my life. This movie covers the beginnings of the music that came out of the Jesus movement in the 1970s through its transition to contemporary Christian music and onto worship music movement that we're in today. One of the strong messages of the film is that God has chosen to use music of all kinds to be a language of expressing our faith. It was God who created music in the first place, and God continues to use music to help cement concepts into our minds and hearts. The music of the Jesus movement was a bunch of hippies trying to share their newfound faith through the music of their generation. Ever since the Old Testament, artists have been using the music styles of their day to share the good news of Jesus with their friends and with the world around them. And I am so grateful that there are people using a wide variety of styles to explore their faith in Jesus and what it means to live as a child of God. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to be talking to one of the contributors to the Jesus music film. But who am I kidding? Each of my guests on this podcast have been part of that film in one way or another. Today's guest is no exception. Larnell Harris is one of the biggest voices in gospel music, and he is sharing some amazing stories that were all possible because he was faithful to use the gifts God gave him. Here's yet another example that points to the importance of Jesus in music. You're definitely going to want to hear this conversation. According to the World Health Organization, over 750 million people do not have access to clean water. In South Asia, where Mercy Inc. is working, the water that is available is contaminated with arsenic, making it a poisonous concoction that causes people to get sick and sometimes die. So Mercy Inc. and their partners are drilling deep wells to make sure that there's safe, clean water available to the community. Many of these wells are installed in mostly Muslim villages. The wells are painted blue and have the name Jesus Wells emblazoned on them, and they really stand out. As the wells are installed and maintained, the message of Jesus is being shared and people are learning about the living water of Christ as they receive the clean water that they need for life, health, and safety. According to Mercy Inc.'s statistics, nearly 300 people make a personal decision for Christ at each of these wells. Would you like to learn more about the Jesus Wells Project? 
head over to christianmusicarchive.com mercy, and you can help provide living water in addition to clean, safe drinking water. Well, it's an honor today to welcome Larnell Harris to the podcast. Larnell has what I think is probably one of the biggest voices in gospel music. He's been singing for nearly 50 years and has released, according to my count, 24 solo albums. He's been awarded a number of awards, five Grammy Awards, 11 Dove Awards, numerous Hall of Fame inductions. But I bet you if you ask Larnell, he's going to say the more important credit is husband of 45 years, dad, grandpa. So Larnell, welcome to the Christian Music Archive podcast. Hey, thank you, Dave. And I got to, I'm going to, I don't correct much, but I'm going to correct that. Okay. 50 years we're, we're celebrating this year. And I, I got to tell you, uh, it has been a joy. It's been a lot of work. Oh, sure. you know. <laughs> I've taken out a lot of trash, but, <laughs> but Miss Mitzi is uh, is a find. And I got, we met back in college, back at Western Kentucky University, and uh, uh, you know graduated. She went on the road with me for a while, and then we decided it was time to start a family. And now we're celebrating grandkids, so yeah. we're good. So how, so how many kids? How many grandkids? Three. We got three. Okay. Fun. 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 Well, I, you know, I, in my introduction, I said one of the most powerful voices in Christian music. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've seen singers on stage and they're practically swallowing the microphone so that you can hear them. And then here's Larnell singing and he's holding the mic about two feet from his face and we still hear him fine. I mean, do you really even need a microphone? <laughs> hey, they say he doesn't do it very well, but he sure does it loud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know, my first recollection of you was actually um, some of your solo stuff, but as I dig in a little bit, in fact, I was listening to this album yesterday, listening to a band called First Gear. Man, I thought everybody threw all of those away. <laughs> that was my... <laughs> Man, I, I see some of those guys in now and then, you know, yeah. Spanky back there on the drums. Yeah. And uh, Don Funky Perry, you know, <laughs> from out there in Colorado. Uh, and we made some fun music together, and we traveled all over the country doing. We were doing high school assembly programs, and uh, you know that was during the rock band era. Yeah, the Christian rock band thing was going, and uh, we made a lot of noise as well. You made some funky, funky music, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I really, like I said, I was listening to the album hey, don't, yesterday. Don't tell Gaither, all right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's had some pretty big bands come out of his camp, yeah, too, Whiteheart right. and yeah. some of these others, yeah. That's well, as fun. I was getting ready for our interview today, I stumbled across a little uh, tidbit about you that I could love to hear the story on, and that was that as Russia, as the Soviet Union was falling, you were the first Christian artist to sing in the Kremlin. Man, when we got to when we got to Moscow, in fact, that trip was almost canceled because if you remember, 1991, that's when the coup happened there, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, we almost canceled the trip, but we didn't. And but when we hit the streets of Moscow, there were still tanks in the street. Wow! And this all happened because this this is a Jericho moment, yeah. uh, David. Um, this all happened because a friend of mine, Jim Gruen walked around the Kremlin one Saturday with a nut with some friends and he saw a lady coming out of there with her with her kid and uh -huh. they she she wanted to do some work on Saturday and and for some reason he walked up to her and said I want to do a concert in here 
And for some unknown reason, <laughs> she put him, she put him in contact with the people who could make that happen. Wow! And and lo, and lo and behold, we sang in the Kremlin. We did, and and uh, you know that's not even the big story. The big story is that International Bible Society had gave us four million Bibles. Wow! And we got in. Jim got in touch with an old boy named Thurlow Spur. Oh yeah. And I was in the Spurlows. Yeah. Oh sure. And I was in the Spurlows. He had about a two hundred voice choir standing by, and we went to Russia and the former Soviet Union under Yeltsin, and we passed out Bibles. I mean, if it stood up straight <laughs> on two feet, and uh, we we shoved the Bible in his hand. Wow. And the people people would take those Bibles when we would give them to them, and they would hold them close to their chest as though it. It had just become their most prized possession. I'll never forget that. Wow. And then we, we did a, a few concerts outside, and a lot of the young people would attend. And they would, when we'd give a Bible to them, we noticed that they would start tearing them up. And that concerned us a little yeah. bit, you know. And what they were doing is they were, they were ripping these pages and sharing the pages with others. And making plans, no kidding. you know, to meet back so that they could read the whole thing. Oh. And, and I have to tell you, what an amazing time. Yes, the, the guards at the Kremlin carried Bible, helped us carry Bibles in out of our trucks. <laughs> and uh, what an amazing time. So I found myself standing on the, on the stage of the Kremlin uh, singing, Let Freedom Ring. And I looked oh. at those walls and I said, you know what, I... I would imagine that a lot of talk about freedom <laughs> has yeah. been talked about in this place. Yeah. None of it in, you know, uh, talking about the Lord Jesus. And here we are, my good friend, uh, Billy Kim from uh, South Korea did the sermon and I did the music and he did an invitation. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I'm going, this is a Jericho thing. Yeah. This guy just walked around this place a few times. <laughs> And we're we're on stage under their strobe lights, which is which is which is the only thing they wanted to make certain we used. Okay, <laughs> oh, and wow. and and we sang these songs of faith. Yeah, and 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 we had to we had to actually calm the audience because when we talked about giving the Bibles away, that's when they wanted to rush the stage. Wow! And they were and, hungry. Uh, they were hungry. They were hungry for the word. It was yeah. amazing. It was an amazing, amazing time. Yeah. Well, in order for you to get to be able to enjoy that experience, you had to build some. I mean, you weren't just a Joe Blow off the street that no, they invited no. to come sing. So I would be interested in hearing how you kind of got started in Christian music. I mean, I know you started fairly young, but what was kind of the genesis and you deciding that singing was going to be your your thing. David, I really never decided that. <laughs> I, I never really got there. Uh, I, I, Miss Georgia Dunahigh in Danville, Kentucky, my hometown, yeah. was a lady who taught piano lessons to every kid in town, whether they wanted them or not. <laughs> and she and my mother got together, and uh, I'm taking piano lessons. So she finds out that I can carry a tune. Mm -hmm. So then she starts to take me around to various little events in Danville, Tees and anything she could find. Catholic Church. I sang at the Catholic Church. I remember standing up there in the balcony with my Texas tie and my little gray suit, <laughs> and I'm singing "How Great Thou Art" or the Lord's Prayer or something like that. You yeah. Know? And uh, so that's really how it all started. And then I went to when when I finished high school, I I was a I got a scholarship Western Kentucky University. Okay. 
and uh, was was a voice major. That kind of <laughs> God was preparing me all along. Yeah. You know, I didn't sing a whole lot when I was a kid because I was I was a boy soprano. And you just didn't do that in Danville, Kentucky, you know, <laughs> you yeah, had to yeah. fight your way out of some corners if you did that. <laughs> but I kept I, I kept at it. And and uh, in high school was in some musicals and outcomes. But I was a basketball player and a drummer. That's okay. what I was. OK. Yeah. So, um, boy, I got to tell you, my the first trip uh, to word records to uh, audition to do a to do a record now you, you heard what i said uh -huh. a record yeah oh yeah yeah what's that anymore <laughs> to right do, yeah to do a record what are you talking about and yeah. then as i began to uh this ministry began to develop i looked back and i began to understand how god had been preparing me all along in fact i wrote about it in a book called shape notes mm -hmm. how ordinary people with extraordinary gifts influenced my life and career they were just folks who were in my corner? Miss Georgia was one. My parents was another. Uh, I can I can uh, count you know countless teachers yeah. and and people in the community that somehow uh, spoke into my heart and not about singing but just about life and the rest of it came along and I found myself wanting to put myself in the place yeah. where God could do His work in my heart and in my life. Well, you talk about being where God wants you to be, and I and it's. I mean, your career has just been completely surrounded about focusing on Jesus. One of the big songs that people might first recognize you is the duet you did with Sandy Patty, uh, singing "I've Just Seen Jesus and I'll Never Be the Same Again." Yeah. What was it in your life that made you realize that this Jesus that you saw was the change that made you say, "Okay, God, if you want me to." <laughs> play basketball or play drums yeah. or sing or you know whatever what was the what was that defining moment for you well there are a lot of those there are a lot of those moments but one i got <laughs> i got my license uh, one day six i was 16 years old my dad had a 1955 chevy and i said uh, we'd go out in that car and he would get that thing going so fast and there were times we'd be airborne and he'd oh. say now don't tell me that's my mother <laughs> she don't tell him don't tell her so so when I got my license, 16 years old, I said, you know what, today I'm going to find out how fast this thing will go. Mm. I took off and I'm going, uh, you know, I don't know how fast I was going. Neither did the trooper that stopped me. He stopped me <laughs> <laughs> and, and he said these words to me. He said, you know what, son, you can kill yourself. I don't know how fast you were going. I'm going to put you down for 70 miles, 70, 70 miles plus huh. because... I was not going to kill myself to stop you. Mm. It was later when I met an old boy named Stan Morris, mm -hmm. trombone player, professional musician, who started asking me some questions about my faith. And when I started to spew out all the, listen, I've been in church all my life. I started right. to spew out all that stuff in my back pocket. He, he looked at me and he said, but can you remember a time when you asked Christ to come into your heart? Mm. I couldn't remember that, David. I, 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 I know it happened, but I was young, you know, right. and, I, and I couldn't remember. And in Brighton, in, in, up at Eastern Michigan University, uh, I, as a graduating senior from college, okay. Okay, <laughs> asked Christ to come into my heart at, that, uh, at a rehearsal camp of the Spurlows. And the Bible says you can know. And, and now I know I've had this experience. Yeah. That's, when I, that's when it came about 
that uh, if I'm supposed to be here, I was auditioning actually for the Spurlows. If I'm supposed to be here, I'll be here. If I'm not, I'm Mitzi and I were dating. We were talking seriously about getting married. She was going to teach school and I was going to teach school. That, oh. My degree is in education. Okay. And at the, it was at that moment that I said, it's the first time in my life, God, um, you're, I've received your son in my heart. And if I'm supposed to be here with yeah. the Spurlows and go well, traveling, that'll be one thing. If I'm supposed to teach, that's another. But now it's up to you. And so then it sounds like the Spurlow thing worked. So you toured with them for a while, and that was kind of God's direction saying, well, we'll look at the singing thing for a while instead of the teaching thing. That's right, but I was a drummer. I didn't sing. Oh, you were <laughs> the Spurlow and you didn't sing. I did not I know that. I didn't sing not one note, okay, <laughs> until Otis Skillings, who was an arranger mm -hmm. uh, for the Spurlows, brought in an arrangement of Oh Happy Day. Okay, and he was at, and I was playing drums, and he was he he handed out the arrangement, and the band was playing it, and the singers were singing it, and he needed somebody to sing the lead, and different ones were doing it, singing, yeah. you know, auditioning for this. A couple of guys and I, both all of us graduated from Western, and one of the guys, I believe it was Dorman Huggins, he's passed on. What a great friend he was, mm. trumpet player, and he he said to Otis, "Listen, uh, let Larnell sing this." Well, everybody was a little bit surprised. <laughs> drummers so, don't sing. <laughs> so he gave, yeah, drummers don't, what's this? So I started seeing this. The room stopped. And that became my solo in not only our high school program, because that was popular. You know, it was just popular on pop radio right. at that time. Yeah. And then uh, in our Splendor of Sacred Songs concert that we do at night in cities across the, the nation, I would sing that song. Wow. And, uh, oh, happy day. You know what? Yep. I, I just thought of this. That was totally appropriate because I had, you know, during that and during those past few months, had asked Christ to come to my heart. Mm -hmm. Oh, happy day. Now I, now I got something I can hang my hat on. Yeah. So that's how that started. Fun. Fun, fun. Well, for those who don't know, Spurlows was a touring group that would do the school assemblies during the day. And then right. encourage people to come to church at night to hear the gospel in a real fresh and new way and uh, travel all over the world. How long were you with the Spurlows then? I was with the Spurlows, probably uh, that group, probably uh, two years. Okay. And then my wife came with me. And then you you start talking about first gear. Okay? Yeah. Okay. And, and that's when that group. But we had our follow-up done through the Billy Graham organization. I mean, we saw many a young person. Yeah come to Christ as as they heard all these young people okay yeah. Yeah. Uh, give their testimonies and and uh, we couldn't do that in school but we could invite them to our concert yep. at night and it was uh, a wonderful experience well and that started a career with uh, have you kept track of how many concerts you have now performed around the world I have not. I know that there have been thousands and thousands, I would imagine. Yeah, you know, thousands. And I've, I know the ceilings of a lot of hotels. <laughs> <I've> woke, <laughs> I, I wake up in the morning, look at the ceiling and try to figure out where I was. Yeah. But you know what? Um, I know uh, you know, talked about Grammys and Doves and all that kind of stuff. Right. God gave me those tools mm. to use so that I could get my feet in some doors that I might not other, uh, otherwise get in. Even, right. even, to, even to the White House. I mean, yeah. you know, they used a song uh, written by a good friend of mine, Jerome Olds, sure. The Mighty Spirit, yeah. as uh, the longest-running uh, PSA in history, I'm, I'm told. Wow. And that was under George Bush Sr. was doing 
the thousand points of light. And what that was is that when people would involve themselves, raise their own money to involve themselves in some of our nations and some of the world's pressing, mm-hmm. you know, most pressing issues, you know, like uh, illiteracy and homelessness and hunger. Yeah. Uh, they would give them an award and recognize them in hopes that others would do the same. Okay. And I was, you know, got to go to the White House and host some of those. Wow. Because God gave me those tools to, uh, that, that again, had, had uh, allowed me to get my feet indoors that yeah. I might not otherwise get in. Yeah. Well, I, I alluded to this earlier, but you have been a a vocal supporter of, of the gospel since, I mean, the very first songs that I remember hearing from you. Yes, you've done some other fun stuff, but I would be curious, you know, you talk about the work that, uh, the, the concert that you did at the Kremlin and that kind of thing, but uh, would you have a point when you look back on your career and go, oh my gosh, Lord, I can't believe that you opened the door for me to do that. I mean, the Kremlin's a pretty amazing story, but I call these my pinch me moments. Somebody that I worked yeah. with, somebody that I was able to share the gospel with and experience. What comes to your mind when you think of that? Lalongwe, Malawi. Okay. Just outside, uh, twelve probably 12 kilometers or so outside the city were a number of tribes. Okay. I, I couldn't believe it. And so they invited us to come and visit. So we went out there and this was during the AIDS uh, oh, yeah. pandemic, a- epidemic, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so a lot of the uh, uh, men uh, and women had been lost to, you know, that disease. So we walked into that area, into those tribes. They sang to us as we, as we entered in, they protected us from the hot sun. They had built a, a sort of a lean to for hmm. us to, you know, to be under. These were people who had nothing, okay? And I got to tell you, what an amazing thing. There was an, uh, uh, I remember uh, an old grandmother, she was in her 80s, and she had taken in a bunch of these kids who didn't have parents anymore. And we walked into her place, and it was a dirt floor, and you could see out the ceiling. They had a commu- uh, communal uh, cooking area. I mean, this was tribal, I mean, yeah. you know? We found out that the that the water for these tribes was kind of far away, and and the women and children carried the water. So I was able to be a part of putting in a well okay. in the middle of those tribes, so that the water would would not be so far away. Okay, yeah. so months later, I get home. I get a picture in the mail, and it's the tribesmen standing around their well with their Bibles in the air, praising God for their water. And, and uh, boy, that, that stood, uh, that picture is prominent in my home. I've been inducted into the Kentucky Music Hall of Fame Mm -hmm. and they used that picture uh, to display what some of the things that I was involved in. And I, I loaned it to them proudly because I started to look at my hands, look at your hands, you know, um, what are they soiled are they bleeding mm. are they do they have nail prints do they care for others the way that i cared for you wow the closest thing the closest thing i've come to is the long way malawi yeah where we put our arms around these folks and made their lives a little bit better through um through a little water 
Yeah. And I, I, you know, the scripture says, you know, if you, if you will taste this water, you will thirst no more. And, and, um, man, I got to tell you, that was a, that was a wonderful moment for me. Well, you alluded to this a little bit earlier as we were talking um, about your getting to the Kremlin and getting started in music. And then even now this conversation here talked about the importance of uh, ordinary people with extraordinary gifts and how those impact people around you. Um, what would you say to somebody who is maybe, I don't have much to do. I, I you know, I'm not a, I'm not a singer. I'm not going to be on a stage. I'm not, I don't have, you know, whatever, but the normal people with extraordinary gifts, how do you find what that gift of God is on your life? And then how do you use that to help people like encourage you to go sing in the Kremlin or go, you know, audition for the Spurlows or whatever? I found that the people who spoke into my life could not be stopped. Hmm. You know, I would, uh, uh, Miss Georgia Dunahye, for instance, she told, she went to my mother one time and said, you know what, when I started singing as a little kid, you shouldn't let Larnell play in any sports in the dust because the dust will hurt his voice. Listen, you couldn't stop her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tell a kid not to play her. basketball, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. You could not stop her. And I have found over the years what a pleasure and a joy it, it has been to encourage someone with, a, with, with something special yeah. um, and, and uh, to encourage others who are, quote unquote, non-professionals. You know what? Mm-hmm. There, there are those who feel that, that witnessing is for pastors mm. and for uh, those who are in the hierarchy of the church are for singers. You know, it is not. It is for us all. We all have something to do yeah. to reach out uh, with, the, with the love and grace that God, is, that God has allowed us to experience such that others may know uh, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that has been such a joy. Again, as this phrase, I don't know where I read this phrase, but it said, we all have the responsibility and opportunity to put ourselves in the place where God can do his work in our hearts and in our lives. Man, it just doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and if you believe that God has ordained our steps, which I do, And he puts you in circumstances and situations with people who may never even darken the doorsteps of a church to hear that professional pastor, that professional singer. My gosh, that is an obligation on our lives that we have people, neighbors, people at the grocery store, people that we go work out at the gym with. We may be the only Jesus that they see. And talking with a lot of people who have said, who have sort of alluded to this professional uh, 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 in, involvement of, of just a hierarchy. It is, it has been, uh, it is amazing to help them understand that we all are part of God's army. Mm-hmm. We all have something to do and, and it is, uh, uh, and they will reach people that I and their pastor and their, uh, uh, church, uh, uh, staff will never be able to reach. Yeah. And they are right across the lawn. They are right across the the road. They they walk in front of your house on a daily basis as they walk and exercise. And if you develop relationships with them, get in step with them, uh, you too are responsible. All of us are yeah. responsible for for telling people about the Lord Jesus. 
So give us give us another story of another person who helped shape you into the person that God has used you to be in these last well in your music career or, or other careers. Yeah, well, I I remember being in high school, uh, grade school, seventh eighth grade, and because of this voice, you know, of being a high soprano, you get you get teased, you know, mm-hmm. that that's just part of it. So Mr. Summers, who was our principal. Okay. One day I had had a particular skirmish with a young man <laughs> and we had to go to his office. And, uh, well, when you went to his office in those days, you got, you got a spanking. I mean, mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah. And then on the way home, your father or your mother met you halfway and you got another one. Okay. <laughs> right. So I'm going into his office and it seems like, uh, uh, his office is underground somewhere. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was kind of a scary thing. So I'm down there and, expecting to get a spanking and mr summers who was an old football player okay everybody called him bub summers but not to his face you know one of those kind of things (laughs) yeah he started to sing and he had the most beautiful high baritone voice Mm. and he was simply saying to me and he said it listen don't sweat this kid go ahead and, and let it go God's got something maybe pretty special for you. And if you will listen, if you will listen to us, and I'm when I say us, man, my this book is filled with people. This book, this book is not about me. It is about those people, Miss yeah. Margaret, Miss Dale, and Mr. Summers, and Miss Georgie, and my mom and dad, all those people who spoke um, life into my heart. Yeah. And Mr. Summers, his wife was the, uh, played the piano for our youth choir at our mm. church. So this was a circle of, of people that God had put me in the middle of, and not only me, but others, other kids in Danville, Kentucky, yeah. to, to, to help us not, you know, to, yes, map out a career, but to map out how to be quality adults yeah. and, and good people. And, and um, so he, Mr. Summers sang, and if Mr. Summers sang, yeah. he sings, you know what? It's probably okay. Well, I love the encouragement because I think in our society right now, we're sometimes a little bit scared of offending people or of being ridiculed or whatever. But to be able to just say, look, God has given me these opportunities to share with people. Let me breathe life. Let me breathe love. Let me breathe encouragement into the people that I come in contact with. And you know, sometimes, sometimes I think, Dave, we do that because we don't want to be offended or, 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 or we don't, we, we don't want to upset anybody. Yeah. It's not your message. It's not our message. Yeah. It's God's message. And if they're upset, then you know what? They're upset with the, uh, you know, with, with God. Yeah. And, and, uh, we're, we're simply responsible, not in a, not in a, uh, you know, I think you have to get in step with people. I think you have to develop, try to develop relationships with people. But find a way, some way, always to, to bring the conversation around to, you know, what Christ has done in your heart, you know, uh, and uh, yeah, we, we've, we've gotten a little political, politically correct, but I got to tell you, the message that we have will keep people uh, uh, out of uh, the place where no one wants to go, where Jesus spread his blood on that cross so that we could, so that we could be with him in heaven. Yeah. And uh, boy, if you'll just think of that, you won't have much problem sharing. My podcast listeners will remember me saying this before, but um, my pastor said one time, you know, it's not your job to convert people. 
That's right. The Holy Spirit does that. He just asks you to lay the foundation, lay the seeds, lay, show the love, so that when the Holy Spirit's ready to move and talk, people are open and ready to listen. And many times, if we'll show that love, you don't have to say anything. Yeah. They will ask you. <laughs> what, what, is, what is, you know what, I, I was in that situation and that, that you were just in, and man, I was so upset, and you know, why, why, why aren't you? Well, it's an open door yeah. right there. Yeah, you know, to share the love of to share the love of Christ. Yeah, we're results oriented. God just simply says to us, "You just share the message. I will do the rest. I do the saving." Well, that sure takes a lot load off our shoulders, doesn't it? Doesn't it? It does. <laughs> <laughs> Your latest album that I have uh, that I'm aware of is called "Disturb Us, Lord." Yes. And is there a song off of that that you're kind of uh, showcasing that we should showcase on the podcast? Listen, "Disturb Us, Lord." I was in Israel. And uh, uh, that's before I even heard this song, probably before it was even written. A messianic, messianic Jewish lady took us around uh, uh, to the various sites, and she took us to the Garden of Gethsemane. And she took us in a part of the garden that many people don't go in, I, I understand. Hmm. They'll get to see. And we sang hymns, and we prayed, and I mean, here's a messianic Jewish lady, okay? Yeah. Probably, yeah. Not, probably being ostracized by her family. So I'm now walking around because she's given us an opportunity to kind of walk around, you know, and meditate. And I'm walking around. I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out where Jesus sweat that blood. Was mm. it there by that with that rock or, or that one? And so when this song came about, I had been in the Garden of Gethsemane where 2000 year old uh, olive trees are still bearing fruit. So this was fresh on my heart and fresh yeah. on my mind. And I remembered in scripture that Jesus had to wake the disciples up and you know uh, he had to, he disturbed them he disturbed their sleep uh. he disturbed their slumber and and man when I heard this song it was like God was disturbing me disturb us Lord when worldly things delight us and we fail to look above When we withhold from others Though we've been given much If the fire of our first love's not burning bright As before Disturb us, in your word and we don't spend time on our knees when we have a chance but we don't speak the truth that sets men free if we don't worship you with fiery passion anymore disturb us Lord Try. 
The lives of those still in the dark. If we'd only live with hearts that break, with the things that break your heart. In tenderness, please lead your church back to your heart once more. Disturb us, Lord, if we. time but there are many times I've I've God has had to shape me mm-hmm. and disturb me and disturb me in a way that is always has an open door I mean Jesus witnessed to people and he shared with people and he reprimanded some people but he always mm-hmm. gave them a way out yeah yeah <laughs> he always gave them a way out a, a way to you know to receive to receive his message to receive him and so here I am, man, with disturb us, Lord. And I'm, th- I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I've, that's been me. I understand mm-hmm. that lyric. And I said to the guys that wrote it, I said, you know what? If you let anybody else sing that, <laughs> I will have your head. Uh-oh. <laughs> because, yeah. because I got it. I got this one, yeah. you know. And disturb us, Lord, uh, when, we, uh, when we do not allow him to, to work in our hearts. Disturb us, Lord, when we are not mindful of being with God's people. Disturb us, Lord, when we're not caring about someone else. Disturb us, Lord, when we're not, not allowing our lives to infuse uh, the, the love of Christ, to exude it, to, to have it come out of our DNA. Yeah. Um, disturb us, Lord, such that we will always be mindful that you are indeed Lord and do nothing to keep anybody out, but do, you've done yes. everything to bring us all into your presence. Disturb us, Lord. Well, Larnell, every Saturday I send out a newsletter to a, a whole bunch of people who've said, we're going to pray for artists. Uh, and I would love to include, how can we pray for you in the weeks and months ahead as you continue to seek after God's direction? You know, that we never become satisfied, that that complacent word you use, that, that uh, you know, we're human and we go back in there sometimes, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I just would ask for prayer to not be complacent. And uh, me and Miss Mitzi, as I mentioned uh, in the beginning, for 50 years, Woo-hoo. pray that we can add to that and counting. things stand out to me from today's exchange with Larnell Harris. First, all the awards and accolades he's received, he views as tools that God uses to open doors to the work God has for him to do. 
and Larnell never would have received those awards without putting in a lot of hard work and practice. To me, this is a challenge to work hard at the tasks of the day, because all the work we do is in preparation for the opportunities God is preparing for us. This reminds me of a story I read about the Dutch Catholic priest Henry Nouwen, who was asked to give a series of lectures to some students while he was taking time away from his job for a spiritual retreat. He turned the opportunity down, saying, Why should I spend all of my sabbatical time preparing for these lectures? The abbot at the monastery responded, Prepare? You have been a Christian for 40 years, and a few high school students want to have a retreat. Why do you have to prepare? All those years of prayers, worship, scripture reading, and communion with God should have given you enough material for 10 retreats. Does that thought change the way I think about the things I do every day? (laughs) Am I viewing my devotional time, daily chores, and business meetings as a way of preparing to do God's eternal work? Makes me think for a little bit. The second thing Larnell stated was that his favorite moment of his ministry career was not a musical experience at all, but rather a time where he got his hands dirty to help bring water to a community near Lilongwe, Malawi. Singing took Larnell to Malawi, but it was the work of getting down in the trenches to get some physical work done that stands out as a high point in his life. And that story made me think of the scripture in Matthew 25, where Jesus is talking about the final judgment. As the king is welcoming his kids into eternal life, he says, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, But Lord, when did we ever do any of that stuff? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you were doing it to me. What is the takeaway from all of this? I believe that God gives us gifts and tools to use to do his kingdom work. We can choose to put those tools and gifts on display for everyone to see, or we can put them to use in our daily routines, making sure that we are in places where God can use those tools. That's likely going to mean getting our hands dirty, calloused, and maybe even a bit bloody. But I would venture to say that dirty, well-worn tools and gifts are way more impressive to the king than the shiny tools sitting on a shelf that we have never used. Before I wrap up today, I want to thank Larnell for permission to share his song, Disturb Us, Lord!, which you can find on the album of the same name. Disturb Us Lord is available everywhere that you get your music, and I'd invite you to check it out. As always, thanks for joining me for this conversation today. I am grateful that we get to spend this time together each week hearing stories of God's amazing faithfulness. As a regular listener to this podcast, would you mind taking a few minutes and rating it on your favorite podcast app? Reviews and ratings really help spread the word so that other folks can hear about these great conversations. And if you have comments or questions for me, please feel free to drop me a message on any of the social media platforms. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon by searching for at CCMExchange. Or you can always drop me an email on the website christianmusicarchive.com. 
I'm really looking forward to our time together next week when I have another great conversation with one of the musicians you'll find on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. So until then, remember this, God loves you. In fact, he's crazy about you. <laughs>